Thanks for tuning in to True Grit and Grace. This episode is brought to you by the pink drink. If you're tired or sluggish, suffer from brain fog, inflammation, or even worse, pain from inflammation, you're not alone. And the good news is there is an answer. It's called the pink drink. Now I started drinking this two years ago and it has been life-changing for me. In fact, after two months of drinking it, I could see my ankle bone for the first time in 12 years. After so many surgeries, I could not seem to get the inflammation down until now. I have more energy, my brain fog is cured, and it's given me the freedom to do more of the things that I love to do. And I want the same for you. This is simple and sustainable, y'all, and it tastes good. And it focuses on root healing. This isn't some Band-Aid cover-up. focuses on great gut health, blood sugar balance, inflammation reduction, and it tastes so good. Even my husband drinks it. This isn't just for the ladies, fellas. You can drink it too. It's got real ingredients, no artificial sweeteners, no sugar, and it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg, y'all. It's affordable. So if you're ready to feel better, you want more energy, you want a cure for your brain fog, and you want to get that inflammation down, go to plexusworldwide.com forward slash Amberly Lago forward slash home. Again, that is plexusworldwide.com forward slash Amberly Lago forward slash home. And that link will also be in the show notes. And now on to the show. Thank you for tuning in to the True Grit and Grace podcast. I'm Amberly Lago, and I'll be sharing inspirational stories of resilience and empowering ideas to elevate your business and your life, ignite your passion and fuel your purpose. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to True Grit Grace. I'm Amberly Lago, and I have one of my dear friends on the show today. Uh, we've known each other for a while. I've never got to meet her face to face, but we know each other heart to heart, and it was instant connection. I have Dell Smith. Thomas on the show today, and I can't wait for you to hear her story and learn from her wisdom. She's an international professional speaker. She speaks all over the world. She's a best-selling author. I have her book right here, Good Morning Gorgeous. It's discovering your gorgeousness from the inside out, and it's one of the best books I've read in a long, long time. I've got so many pages turned and highlights, and we're going to get into that. She's often called the hope dealer. She is a bright light. She's appeared on so much media. She's been a guest expert on Dr. Phil. She's featured on CMT, VH1, Fox. I mean, the list goes on and on. Plus, she's former Miss Tennessee. <laughs> that got out. <laughs> it got out. It got out. I know that the cat's out of the bag. Former Miss Tennessee. Dale. Thank you so much for being here. It's so good to see your beautiful face, your gorgeous face right oh, here. Oh, thank you, gorgeous. I wish I could climb through this screen and hug your neck. And you know, you know, I love the word grit. And we say grits here in the South, girls raised in the South. That's, That's what right. But I love true grit and grace. And because I admire you so much and all the work that you're doing. And I'm just honored that we get to share this time together. And I always believe when like-minded spirits come together like ours, that we've been brought together for a divine purpose. 
And I know somebody that's out there listening to us today, uh, there's something that we have to share with them that's going to make a difference. And I know that's what it's about for both of us. Yes, for sure. Well, you add value everywhere you go. And there was so much value in your book. Like I really enjoyed it. And one of the things I really loved about it is that it was easy to read, first of all. Yep. Yep. And there are so many quotes and there are takeaways. There's like, Mark, like, I, I look, I've got pages turned down. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yes, I love it. I, I wrote love it the like quotes. that. Andrew. Yeah, the, you will notice in the book, there's lines to write because I'm sure you do like I do. So many of my books, I'm writing in the margin. Uh huh. Then I read a book and I highlight it in a color, but then I go back and read it again and I highlight it in a different color because when you grow and expand, that same book is going to speak to you in a different way. Do you know I do the same thing? Of course you do. I of do. The, of course you do. I mean, look, I've got my highlighters right exactly. here. Exactly. Yes, yes, I exactly. do this. I do the same thing. So it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. But you know what surprised me a little bit is because you're just stunningly gorgeous. Oh, and you said there was a time in your life where you didn't really feel that gorgeous. You were oh. like skinny and all. Oh. And I have to share something with you that I admire that you were in pageants in Miss Tennessee because my mom, bless her heart, she, I was such a tomboy <laughs> and she really wanted me to be girly. And she put me in this pageant and I had buck teeth and curly frizzy hair. I was so skinny and I was not, I, I was not very pretty at all. Let's just well, I, that is so hard for me to believe. And I was actually Mrs. Tennessee MRS with my starter husband. That's a positive way to say X. I was Mrs. Tennessee. And during those teenage years in my early twenties, I was so awkward and so shy and so insecure. There was no way I could compete. I tried a couple of times, never could make it. But one of the reasons I ended up competing later is that my best friend growing up, who was actually my piano teacher when I was a teenager, who was my first mentor to teach me about goals and dreams and attitude and faith and believing, she was crippled in a car accident at age 11, was told she would never walk again. But in 1980, she walked the runway as Miss America. And oh, she my goodness. She was my piano teacher. The, they had been in a car accident. The motor came in on her lap. She'd gone through the windshield in my little tiny town. They had stitched her up. No plastic surgeries on surgeons on call down there in that little town. But, you know, when I came into her life, she was that mentor, that bright light that kept telling me when I would say I couldn't do something. She said, I learned how to walk again. God has a bigger plan for me. And so she started dripping that truth into me. Mm. So fast forward 10 years later, I was honestly trying to stay home and raise my baby. And I was trying to teach girls how to have a transparent, authentic interview in pageants. And they kept saying, how can you teach us anything? You ain't never won anything. And I'm like, really? That was with your outside voice. And so they said, well, why don't you enter the Mrs. Tennessee pageant? I'm like, there's one for married women with kids. And so the first year I competed 56 women in the state pageant, I made the top 10. That was it. Second year, I came in second runner up. 
And then the and third, how old were you? I was 29. I won at 30. I won wow. at 30 with a baby. And, you know, that's how my speaking career started. People started asking me to speak. And honestly, I was just trying to increase my fee from $20 an hour to 25. That's all I was trying to do. And I thought if I could win the title, I could increase my fee and stay home with my baby. And I ended up winning. And, you know, I said, God has a sense of humor. She was 1980. I was 1990. I didn't win the big sparkly hat at the national, but that was the year I started speaking. People would say, well, can you tell your story about growing up poor and being insecure? And so I started telling stories. Wow. And so I leaned in and said, yes. And I want to encourage those of you that are listening to us. You know, of course I was scared, but I just leaned in and said, yes, even though I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And now all these years later, as you said, you know, I consider this not just my career, it's my calling, just like mm -hmm. it is for you. And when you step out into a calling, you just have to face that fear and believe that I believe that every time I speak, there's at least one person that is sent there to hear that message because I'm just the messenger. Wow. So that's how your speaking career started. Well, I know that we have a lot of listeners that that dream of speaking and sharing their message because I believe everybody has a story and there's always something to teach and, and there's always something to learn from every Absolutely. single person. So what would you suggest to someone who wants to become a speaker? Well, you know, through the years, of course, through the last 25 years, I've been asked that question so much. And the first thing I say is sit down and write 20 minutes of your story. And remember the stories sell and facts tell. And I was a storyteller and I didn't know anything about this industry. I didn't know anything about this industry when I first got into it. And so I just encourage people, you've got to find that quiet time and you've got to get to know yourself first. And then I feel that you just have to bring that to the stage you know, with authenticity. Because when I step on a stage, people ask me if I'm nervous because I've spoken to, you know, audiences of 15,000. But the answer is no, I'm excited because I feel like I'm giving them a gift. Now, if I'm there to take an evaluation or trying to get something from that audience, yes, I think you would be afraid. But if you are wanting to speak and share your story, you just have to realize that that is your gift that you're giving and what they do with that gift is up to them, not up to you. That's so true. Do you know who Dan Clark is? Of course I do. I was landing in Arizona. I'd written on this sticky note to call Dan. And as soon as the plane landed, my phone started binging. My first message was from Dan. Of course it was. And I said, wow, you won't believe this. I said, I'm on the plane. You popped in my head and I wrote myself a message to reach out to you. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm speaking at an event in Arizona. He said, I'm in Arizona. Like, I, I can't remember where I was there. And um, he said, can I come see you speak? And I was like, sure. Yeah, come on. You know, I didn't know if he'd really show up. It was a women's event. Right. Sure enough, Dan sure comes enough. walking backstage and my heart just started like pounding because he's he's somebody I really admire and respect. And if y'all don't know, well, Dan's been on the show. So if you listen to the show, you probably already know who he is, but he's amazing. He's an incredible speaker. And he's like, 
Yep. He goes, of course, I'm going to show up to cheer you on and hear you speak. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous now. And he's like, oh, well then that just means you're thinking about yourself and you (laughs) should be thinking about the people that you're speaking to. And I was like, okay, you're right. And I was like, no, it was. And he was right. I was thinking about like, oh my gosh, Dan is going to be like, critiquing me. He's going to be watching me. He's here to watch me. And it put it all eyes on me. And I was like, I had to go to the bathroom and pray. And then I did some push-ups, and then I got on stage <laughs> and did my talk. But yeah, it's so it's when you can shift it and say that you're excited and you can focus on you're there to serve and give a gift right? and share your experience, strength and hope. Then it just, it really this, does shift. This postcard around the world and it's your words change your world. And I've handed out tens of thousands of these. And in fact, just the other day I got, I saw a Chinese version of it post up and a girl that had been in an audience in China had rewritten it in Chinese, but it says, I'm not angry. I'm disenchanted. I'm not nervous. I'm energized. I'm not stressed out, I'm blessed out, and I'm not overwhelmed, I'm just in demand. Oh, and just wow. those little tweaks of those, you know, those words that we're speaking, but also those little voices that we're talking to ourselves. And you and I both know in this world that we live is travel all the time. It's sometimes very easy to feel overwhelmed. I did three, I did three gigs in three different cities in under 24 hours about a week ago. Oh my goodness. I did three gigs in three different states in a week. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I know. I kept telling myself, I'm in demand. I'm in demand. And I keep saying, this is what I prayed for because COVID wiped out my business. You know, on the road, I was 60. I didn't know that if I wanted to start over, you know, and climb that climb again. And, you know, every single morning. So if you're listening to me right now, every single morning at 5 a.m., I get up without an alarm clock. You don't have to do that. That's just what I do. And then I journal, I pray, I meditate, I read and do all that highlighting But I heard in my head, COVID could take a career, but it can't take a calling. And so I knew I wasn't done. I knew Mm. that as long as I woke up with this passion of making a difference, that there was somebody out there that needed to hear what I had to share. And so now in 2023, it's coming. It's coming back. It is really coming It is. Do you know, I I really feel like, so 2020, I got a lot of my events well, all of my in-person events were canceled, but a lot right. of them turned into virtual. Right. And then I got super, super like schedule was packed full of virtual events. And I actually had a moment where I was like, you know, I, I said, God, I don't know if this is for me because I, I got into speaking because I like to connect with people. And I was doing a lot of events where I was just looking at myself talking into exactly. a camera. Exactly. And I really thought, I thought, you know, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I'm not feeling a connection. I'm not, you know, the very next phone call I got was to go do my first in-person event, smaller event mm-hmm. in Florida. And I was like, okay, thank you, God. And I feel like when we get 
take time to ourselves to to meditate, to journal, to pray, to talk. I talk to God that we get those answers that we need. Uh, um, but I love that you say that COVID could take a career, but not a calling. And I, I do feel like 2023, the events are back on full force. Like it, it's, they are. And you know, it's, it's so those of you that go and hear speakers, please don't shy away from going up and letting someone know that their message has touched your life, because those are the things that keep us rolling. We're in the middle of nowhere trying to change planes and get to the next gig. It's knowing that these messages make a difference. I was just in Columbia, South Carolina a couple of weeks ago. I was the closing keynote. After a full day, it was real estate agents, after a full day, and I knew that these people are tired. So I went in early to meet and talk to people and because it's the relationships that matter. And a woman told me afterwards, she said, I came back in to get my purse. She said, and girl, you stopped me in my tracks. And God said, you better sit down. This is for you. And it just gave me chills. And she came and told me that she's now going to pursue this dream that she's had in her heart just from hearing the story. And all of you that are listening right now, you have a story. Mm -hmm. And if you are feeling this prompt to speak, number one, don't let fear rob you. Do not do it. That's just, don't do that. Do not let fear rob you. Just turn that fear into faith and walk into it. And then don't let somebody's opinion of you be your reality ever. And if somebody said, you know, especially in a pageant, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're doing a pageant. You're 30. You're a mother. Why would you do that? All that negativity, you've got to tune that out and listen to your heart and your direction, wherever you call it, God, you call that direction and you walk and you stop letting somebody else's opinion of you be your reality. Amen to that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times and some people that are very, very close to me, you you want to write a book and (laughs) you want to be a speaker like can you even make money doing that? And I was like, well, I didn't even think, think about, about the money. that part. I didn't. I, I didn't I think didn't, about that part. I was just like, like you said, it, for me, it was a calling. Like when I can connect with people and I hear them say, because of you, I didn't give up. Exactly. But let's get back to you being called the Hope Doctor, because you know what my nickname was? What? The Hope Dealer. Oh my, of course it was. The Hope Doctor hey, and the Hope dealer. dealer and here we you. go. We're going to go on tour, y'all. Y'all just better look out because these two blondes may be out. We may roll this out together. That's right. I got a letter um, from an audience member that told me how important the message had been to her. And she wrote me this beautiful letter. And at the very end, it said, P.S. Your name should read Dale Smith Thomas, Ph.D., The Hope Doctor. Here's how I define hope, helping other people excel. Mm. And so that's that's what I do. And that's what you do. And that's mm. what anybody listening to us, you can be a hope dealer. You can be a hope doctor just by speaking life to someone today or making that phone call and say, are you okay? Or making that good morning gorgeous came because I challenged women to get up and tell five other women, good morning gorgeous. 
And just last week, I happened to be there the second day on a speaker's panel and a sweet woman came to me. She said, I text all of my friends and family this morning and said, good morning, gorgeous. This is what I just got back. Has your phone been hacked? (laughs) (laughs) Because people are not expecting that. And I, you know, I hear that so many times people like you are not going to believe the response I got. But when people do that, good morning, gorgeous, good morning, champion, we speak life to each other. It lifts us all up and collectively we together make a difference. It's so true. If you can just spread some kindness and positivity and, you know, I, I smile at people when I see them strangers in the market or at the post office. And when you see somebody that doesn't smile back, I just know that they really need an extra dose of some, some, some love and light and maybe a little Jesus on them. So I I really make sure (laughs) just say hello, you know, just boy, they really need some of it. So, I mean, right. and but, I know you see those people as you travel, as I do, you know, these oh, people yeah. losing their minds over the plane, not flying on time. And I'm thinking, you know, losing your mind is not going to make this plane fly any faster. You know I know <laughs> you've just ruined your own day. Because I know that is what I had to learn because I was that negative child. And the reason I can speak so passionately about this, because I was this, You know, I grew up in a very, uh, we didn't have hardly any money growing up. I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. I was shy. I was insecure. We weren't talking about what I was going to do, you know, for our life. My mother just wanted me to get a husband by the time I graduated high school. Well, I lived too far out in the country. No boy was coming after me. So I was all of that. And so I had to do the work to reprogram all of that negativity And I did that by reading the books. I remember the very first book I ever read was Seeds of Greatness by Dennis Waitley. And Seeds of Greatness, and I went on to meet Dennis years later, which was just, you know, so amazing. And Zig, and I've been on the program with Zig. And I started to just overdose, basically, on all of those old classics, The Magic of Thinking Big. I don't know if you know that book by David Schwartz. And it's old. And all of those books. And then... I started changing the people that I was around because those who do not increase you will decrease you. That is important right there. And I can, oh, I can see, well, I feel a difference. I am very sensitive to energy. I mean, energy is everything and everything is energy. And I think that when you are around people who are energy vampires, they're negative, they complain, It brings you down. It physically like weighs me down. In fact, I was just speaking at an event and I had someone come over and they knew I had CRPS and they were asking me about, I mean, I was on a high. I had just gotten off stage. I had hugged some people. I was like feeling so good. So good. And they came over and they literally pulled, they were pulling down on my arm And at the same time, complaining and talking about pain and I could feel like heavy, heavy, heavy. And I had to literally like kind of pull my arm away and like stand up straight and then go, oh my goodness, how can I love on her, but also protect my energy because it, it, it can, it makes a difference. But also Dale, if you have somebody that wants to be positive or you 
you have somebody in your life that you wish that person, your friend or whatever could be positive, or maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a relative that you're like, gosh, I wish they could be positive. <laughs> How do you get them to make that shift? Because if you can, you know, you talk to them, you try to shift their mindset. Do you slip one of those books in their mailbox? Because I feel like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. No, you can't. I think everything comes down to one thing. It's a choice. I, you know, I believe that the formula for success is circumstances plus choices equal results. And this little circumstance piece is always up for grabs. We control very little of that, but we choose how we react to it. And, you know, my mother is 86 years old and has always been very negative and she will admit it. And, you know, we got into a discussion just a few weeks ago when I was visiting her at the nursing home because I bring her back to her choices. And she's like, you've been telling me that for years. And I said, and guess what? I love you and I'm going to keep telling you. And she said, I'm 86 years old. I'm too old to learn. I said, no, you are not. That is simply a decision. And so I lovingly just keep dripping it there. But I know that I have to release the result. Mm -hmm. And I also that's key. That's so, so good to release it. You got to bless them with love, release them and let them go. And you bless them with love. You release them and let them go. And when I find myself with people where the negativity is hard and I feel that energy drain, I do like you. I switch it really fast. I switch the conversation. I get out of it and I start making my exit plan because I didn't know that for a long time. I start retreating. Yes, I saw you. I started making that exit plan. I making, but know. I didn't know that for a long time either. And no. and then I started it's okay. really. It's okay. It's okay. Those of you, it's okay to do that. It mm -hmm. is okay to do that because if you are completely drained by other people, then you've got nothing left to give. That's so what will happen. Refill your vessel. You have got to refill it. You cannot run on empty, just like your car can't run on empty. And we've got too many people trying to run on empty and we're not getting quiet and we're not being still and we're not listening to our inner guidance that will prompt us and lead us. And that's why I journal. Do you know the book by Julia Cameron, uh, The Artist Way? Yeah, I, I have that book. I picked that book up in 1998. I have that book. Um, I, somebody told me to buy that book when I was writing my book. And it talks about censorship. And so I got into this process of she will ask you to get up and just roll on to the page, just stream whatever you're thinking. And if it's, I don't want to do this and I hate it and it sucks, well, then you write that. And when you get past, she wants three pages. Once you got to get past that second page of griping, then the truth starts to present itself. Mm -hmm. And then you start to really kind of meet yourself and listen to the direction. And I think it's in those quiet moments that the path will light up before you. And, you know, because I grew up um, negative and believing so many things, I believe it was Esther Hicks I heard say, a belief is just a thought you continue to think. And those negative voices in my head about myself was a belief I created because it was the thought I continued to think. So I'm going to challenge those of you who are listening to us, ask yourself, what is the thought I'm continuing to think? And is that lifting me higher? Is that making helping me be a better person? Is that helping me pursue my dream or is it bringing me down? Well, maybe you need to start to challenge that belief system about yourself. 
Oh, that's so good. I love that. You know what? This is a really good reminder for me, Dale, that I used to journal. I started journaling when I was like eight years old. Me too, girl. The little the little diary with the little baby lock. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I still have one of those. I have a stack of journals, like uh, so, oh, so many. Do I. Um, but I've I've been out of the habit of journaling lately. Will be a loving hug, sister hug, to push you back to that. Yes, that's I'm back getting to back to that because it really does. There's something very healing, very cathartic when you put pen to paper. It is. It's very therapeutic. And and let me say to those of you that are listening. Make that your private space because no one has the right to read your journals without your permission, because in order for you to be free, you have to know that it's between you and you and God, and that you have to be able to be free to express yourself so you can listen. So just know that, take care of that space, honor Mm -hmm. yourself, honor the direction that you're given, and then follow through with that. Yeah, it's very sacred. I I mean, sacred, very sacred. Um, In fact, I, you know, journaled every single day. And I remember an ex-boyfriend of mine, this is years ago, because my husband and I've been together for like 17 years, but an ex-boyfriend read part of my journal. And I felt like violated, violated. You may have, well, you may as well have like my car or my house it felt exactly. like had been exactly. broken into I mean, deeper than me. that. Like the it's trust level was gone. Yes. yes. And I remember after that, I did not journal for a right. long time after that. And then I started journaling again and I would write it in like the worst chicken scratch writing to so where nobody else could understand it. Yes. Yeah, so no one else could see it or read it or understand it. But, and it wasn't even like, oh, I would ever go back and read it. I just needed to get it out. I just needed to have, it was like therapy for me. And that such, and, and I'm so glad you said that because it's happened to me too. And the emotional violation Mm -hmm. felt, it's like somebody has come into the temple and, you know, brought their dirty feet into the temple and it violated your space without your permission. And Mm -hmm. it feels it's just such a strange feeling. So that's why I say to anybody that's honoring this practice, and it is a practice, it's my spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And it's the way that I listen. And it's the way that I process, just protect that sacred space. And then in turn, you will protect yourself. And then you will also expand and grow. And I go back sometimes when I'm just writing without censoring. So that's where it has to get to where it's coming through you onto the paper, not your brain saying what you're writing, but it's coming through you. And some of the guidance that I have received after going back, you know, three or four or five days later, I'll go back and go, I wrote that. <laughs> Did I write that? And it yeah. was something that felt that I knew came from a higher place mm-hmm. and it's a very divine and sacred. So I'm going to be your soul sister and say, I am going to encourage you and love you back to your journaling, my sister. Okay. Thank you. Cause I take that quiet time in the morning and I had just let other things get in the way of the journaling part, but mm-hmm. 
you that's have the inspired thing me. That's the easiest thing. But you know what? I've done it so long now, so consecutively and consistently that I feel it in my soul when I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I feel it. It's just like, I feel it when I'm not going to the gym, you know, and I'm not. Working oh, yeah. Out. Yeah. I feel it. Well, this is kind of that soul workout feeling that I feel it when I don't do it. So I'm telling you guys, if you want to speak, if you want to write, I believe one of the best places to start is right here with that journal, with yourself, listening to your soul and ask yourself, what's my story? What's my story? And who out there needs to hear my story and just start leaning into it, lean into it. That's so great. I, you know, and, and I want, want to encourage you listening to that, you know, if somebody like me who has no college education, I didn't even own a computer. I hand wrote 90% of my book and it became a bestseller and launched on the Today Show. If I can do that, you can do anything. Like, like seriously, the only, what I did was I just made sure I was consistent and I wrote every single day, even if it was a paragraph but you know what? Uh, after I went and bought my first laptop, I started trying to type the chapters and it wasn't coming out the same. So I went back to handwriting because it just came out differently. Um, but yeah, if you want to write a book, if you want to speak, start writing. That's such a good reminder. And I, and I encourage people too, because a lot of times people will write their speech down on a piece of paper, you know, they'll write it out. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that writing and talking are two different things. So I encourage people to grab the recorder on your phone and just start authentically start sharing because so many times, especially for me, and I'm sure you're the same way, you know, People will say, you know, I don't, I don't do slides. I don't do any of that. I've never done the speech the same way twice because the spirit's leading in a different direction. And sometimes I'll say something and the audience will go, oh, I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I just said. So will somebody please write that down and text it to me? Because that was really good. That (laughs) is so good. Yeah. And so I just, you've got to let it through you. I have to ask you, okay, so I don't really enjoy using slides. I don't use any. Thank you. Okay. Because I have this big event coming up and they're like, we need slides by today. And I'm just like, I've I've got some, I can send them, but don't do it. Listen, I've done so much work in healthcare. And I remember because that, you know, trying to fit into the mold kind of thing. I remember the first time a hospital said, okay, we need your slides. And I was kind of silent. And I said, well, I just need y'all to know I don't have any. And there was silence for a second. And then I heard somebody say, oh, I am so glad. And then a week ago, someone said that to me. The meeting planner said, thank you for not having slides. He said, because it's like this. When you're in a restaurant having dinner, especially with a man, and there's a TV on, I don't care if they're interested in it or not. They're going to look. Yeah. And they're not listening. And so I want an audience to have this co-creative experience with me, mm-hmm. to be in the present moment with me, because the point of power is in the present moment. And first of all, I wouldn't, I would look the first, no, I tried to use one slide. It was a picture of my kid and I'd never used a clicker before. This was for a hospital up in Illinois. And I had the clicker in my hand and I was talking because I talked with my hands threw the thing across the room, it hit the floor, the batteries busted out, 
and went everywhere. One of the one of the executives of the hospital is on his knees trying to find the batteries. I've said, I said, I'm going to go on with what I'm doing. And when you get that thing put back together, hand it back to me. And so they were dying. But I made it a fun moment. But I thought, you know what? I just need to stay away from that. I just need to. Yes, that is so funny. And you know what? I think it's really important that you're able to kind of roll with the punches, sort of say, because like um, I was in the middle of a talk and it was um, the first time I ever had to put my own headset on. Usually somebody kind of helps you a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not real good at that kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, let me figure this out. I put it on and I guess I really wasn't very good at doing it because I'm in the middle of my talk and it just falls out and it falls out. And I just, I I rolled with it and put it right into my talk and and people were laughing. But I think that when you can just be yourself and get up there, I feel the same way. I like connecting with the audience. Absolutely. That's the, that's the reason I speak that, you know, that's, you know, you and I are not giving book reports. We Mm -hmm. are giving stories and life stories and we can see these faces and it may trigger something, you know, a story that needs to be told that maybe we didn't really plan to tell, but God said, this is where you go. And you are willing to take that, to take that leap. But I, I realize that if I've got 16 slides and I can't venture off my path, if the slides are this or that, and it's just not who I am. And I wasn't sure that corporately, you know, that they were all going to push back, but nobody has. That's and good to hear. Actually, they are very grateful now because also, Amberly, this happens too. If I'm closing an event, which I remember doing this in Minneapolis, I was closing a healthcare event. All the speakers were going long. They were trying to get people out the door for their flights. So I went to the guy that was, who was also a speaker. And I said, Hey, what do you want me to do? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, from where I sit, this last speaker is 20 minutes long and you need them out by four. Do you want me to cut this to like 40, 35 minutes? He looked at me like I was an alien. He goes, you can do that. I said, sure. Wow. He's like, you can do that on the fly. I said on the fly, because This is about connecting and real. And it's important to me that we honor them because every time we step on the stage, it is a privilege and it is an honor to be on that platform, to share with this audience. And I am not going to overstep that in any way. And I feel the same. I'm right there with you. Just say no. Yeah. Just say no. Well, hey, I I really appreciate your time. We only have a few more minutes and I really want. Wow, that fast, Amberly. That's how it was when I first, I think the first and even the second time I talked to you. It was. First time on the phone, we were talking. It was like, oh my gosh, it's been two hours. No. (laughs) (laughs) I have some questions about your book because. Okay, go girl. Such good, good information. I love that you use acronyms and. I love that you call them your not chapters, but there's seven gifts or there's, yeah, you know, or gifts. principles. Yeah. yeah they're gifts. Yep. I thought they were they're gifts. gifts. Yeah. And so I want to go, not necessarily, we don't have time to go over all seven. Y'all will have to okay. grab her book for that. And then you can, there's even places that if you want to start journaling in her book, you could do that yeah. too. But I love something that you say. Beauty is the opposite of perfection. It's about confidence, character, and charisma. So how do you take someone 
who maybe doesn't feel confident, who maybe doesn't feel gorgeous. And you're like, they want to, they want to, they want to feel good. They, they might even want to walk on stage. They want to share their story, but they don't, they lack that. How, what do you do? How do you help them? Exactly what I had to do because I was all of that. I didn't believe any of that. If you would have seen me at 15, 18, 20, when I had my eating disorder, there was no way. I thought everybody else got those gifts, but not me. My hair was too big. My lips were too big. My eyes were too big. I was too skinny. I was too tall. I was all the wrong things. But the first thing I had to do is I had to start changing that inner dialogue. And I believe, you know, I had to really get honest and say, you know, God put me on this planet for a purpose. Who am I to discredit his work by being so horrible to myself? Mm -hmm. And so start writing out these things that you were telling yourself and ask yourself, is this really true? Is this really true? And start doing that deep dive. And again, I go back to journaling and I would ask myself, what am I feeling right now? Why do I believe this? And get to some more truth and then go to a couple of people that you really, really trust and ask them to tell you the truth. And then don't disrespect them by telling them it's not true. Women, especially when we give each other compliments, we give them back. You know, your hair looks great. Girl, no, I need to get it cut. It's so bad. I'm turning gray. Or, you know, you look so great in that outfit. Girl, I've had this 10 years. Got that Walmart, $15. I mean, we discredit it. Mm-hmm. If somebody gives you a gift of a compliment, say thank you and absorb it and start to change this negative chatter in your head and start to slowly change that belief. And I promise you, I am living proof that it works. I am 63, almost 64 years old. and I have done it. It is an ongoing journey, though, ladies and men. This is not something you just graduate, a class you graduate from, as Jim Rohn says. This is a class you just have to keep going back to. Yeah, I. It, it's so true because there are days when I'm like, gosh, I feel so good. I feel right. great. I feel so I'm confident. And then other days I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yep. How am I going to get through this? And, and you know I what? Feel- that is- that age of comparison, I think, which is very easy in our in our industry, if we start looking at other people and comparing yourself to someone else and to their success or how many books they've done or how many gigs they're doing or how pretty they are, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. It will rob you. It will rob you. So stop it. <laughs> so stop it's, it. It's so true. And, and also, I think it's important that you shift from... If you are looking at someone and you're like, wow, look at how much they're doing and oh, their book's best selling or oh, they got booked to speak on that stage. You go, wow, if they did it, I can do it too. When you're happy for their success and you look at them as that's inspirational, they achieved that. Yeah. And these words that I gave you, if anybody wants one of these cards, I can send it to them in the mail or digital, either one. If they want this card, because I have people that keep these cards stuck around just to remind yourself, you're not stressed, you're blessed, you're not overwhelmed, you're in demand, all of those little things. So if anybody oh, you are so kind to give that to anybody that wants it. Okay. And y'all, seriously, she sent me a book and, and a lot of times I'll get books in the mail, but she sent me like a sweet card that I saved and, and I have the access card too. You have the access card too. Yeah, I use it as my bookmark. Good. Um, so- but what's the best way for people to get 
to reach you. And then I have one more question. No, I'm on all the social media, Dale Smith Thomas, that's Instagram, um, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and then dalesmiththomas.com. You can go there and send me an email. And Is that I, the best way they can send yeah, you? And I can, and, and I can I respond to all of it. So there's a contact form there and there's an email. Either way, it comes straight to me. There is not some gatekeeper in my office. I am the gatekeeper. So I, I you're looking at the team right here. That's that's my goal this year is to get some team members around me because yeah, all this year is to expand and just reach more lives as many as we can. And maybe the hope dealer and the hope doctor are going to go on tour. Speak I up. know. I think so. But yeah, it, it's a lot. I'm the I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the team. Yeah, right right now. I, I take that back. I've got a great Christine. If you're listening to this, editing this podcast right now, I appreciate <laughs> I you. Christine. Uh, <laughs> she's amazing. I have a podcast producer um, and I got a great graphics team that helps me get the podcast out or else I'm, I'm a little technically challenged. Like this is so a big deal girl. for me oh, cool. to have a podcast. And so, so early because I was afraid I wasn't going to get in the right room, sister. I, oh, I got okay. early just for that. I just want to say to you, Keep shining your light, my friend, because you are making such a difference in this world. Thank you for all that you're doing. Mm. I am one of your biggest supporters and biggest fans, and I am I am right here. If you if if you should ever need me, I am right here. Well, thank you. You are making a huge impact in the world, and you just shine so bright. I appreciate you so much being on the show. Can you tell us one last thing? Because I want sure. to, uh, because you have a ton of acronyms. Well, I maybe I should ask you, what is your favorite acronym that you've, because you've got one for beauty. You've got one for crown. I like the crown one and I like the hope helping other people excel. So that's an easy one to write down, but crown. And, you know, so many times people think crown is beauty queen. No, I believe we all come to this earth. God sends us with an invisible crown on our head a crown of self-respect, a crown of worth, a crown of what we're supposed to do in this world. And then what happens is we dip our head in disrespect to ourselves with low self-esteem and our crown falls off. Mm -hmm. And so crown means confidently respecting our worth now. And if you will stand in that space and confidently respect your worth right now, your head goes up. And I teach everybody say crown up, keep the crown of your head up because you can't see what you're supposed to be doing or the people you're supposed to help. If you're looking down crown up. Oh, wow. Mic drop moment right there. What a great, powerful way to end. Thank you so much. Tell us one more time where people can find you. Dale Smith Thomas, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the things and dalesmiththomas.com. And that comes directly to me. I would love to hear from you all. Well, thank you. Hey, y'all listening? Let's let her hear from us. I say take yeah, a screenshot on. wherever, whatever platform you're listening on, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or if you're watching it on YouTube, if you take a screenshot and just tag me at Amberly Lago Motivation and tag Dale at Dale Smith Thomas on Instagram. I always share when I see that you have tagged it, your support and you listening to the show means so much. Thank y'all so much for listening because it's 
it's because of you that the show is top 1%. So thank you for tuning in to the show. I know. I'm just amazed. This is such an amazing community. I'm so blessed. So grateful for them. And I'm so grateful for you, Dell. So I Let's love you. Let's make sure we see each other this year. I love you. Let's see each other in 23, my friend. Yes, we will. Thank you Absolutely. for being on the show. All right. Love you. Love you. Love you.